God has been faithful to us. This is what the prophet Jeremiah proclaims in Lamentations chapter 3. We'll invite you this evening to turn with me in your Bibles to the third chapter in the book of Lamentations. Our scripture meditation will be Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 25. But we're going to begin our scripture reading at Lamentations 3, verse 1, and then we'll read through verse 27. But our meditation will be in specifically verses 21 through 25. The prophet Jeremiah says these words from Lamentations 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrow of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness and he has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And this is our scripture meditation. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Thus ends the reading of God's Word this evening. May we receive it with a believing heart. A beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the new year is a time to reflect on the year gone by and to consider the new year that is to come. Popularly, our culture and peoples talk about this in way of, by way of resolutions. Maybe some of you have a New Year's resolution. You want to get in the gym and lose some of that Christmas weight. You want to get out in, on the town and make some new friends or maybe meet someone special. These are all a way of considering what does God have for us in the year to come. And as 2023 concludes in just a few short hours, 
I believe we can all look back on this year and we can say that God has blessed us. Despite its many trials. Despite the fact that we may have gone through challenges in our personal lives. Maybe challenges as a nation. Challenges as challenges even as a congregation. But as we look forward to the year that God has given us in His grace, we know that He will again be good. That He will again be faithful. And He will again evidence His love to the church. Yet we would be naive if we thought that this year that has just passed was perfect. I don't think it's wrong to say that our world has experienced a fair bit of turmoil in 2023 with the wars and the loss of life in the Ukraine and in Israel. There were natural disasters that struck in various places. We think again of that earthquake in Turkey that took so many tens of thousands of people. Think of wildfires and hurricanes and floods. The stress has continually gone up when we consider political corruption and social upheaval. And even even in our own church, We've had to say goodbye to dear friends. We've been grieved by various sins and even our own failures. Maybe you could say with the prophet Jeremiah that the year that has passed has been one of lamenting. In our Scripture reading this evening, it comes to us from the book of Lamentations, which comes from the word lament, which means to sorrow. Or to give expression to your grief. And the Bible says that lamenting, being sorrowful, is a common experience in the believer's life. You can see that just in the book of the Psalms, where 42 Psalms in the Psalter are Psalms of lament. Roughly 28%. And in this short book, Just five chapters, Jeremiah is lamenting. And maybe as you come into 2024, you feel the same way. Say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do another year. I'm burnt out. I'm burdened. I'm depressed. I'm sad. The question that's on our minds as we move into a new year is, Lord, Where can I look for comfort? Sandwiched in the middle of this book of sadness is comfort. A comfort meant to lift up even the most downcast of souls. The most broken of people. The comfort that God does not leave His prophet in sorrow. That God will restore all of His faithful people to a good Hope. God will restore His faithful people to a good hope. I have four points for you this evening, this Old Year's Eve. Notice these with me as we go through this passage. It's by God's grace that things are not worse. Even in the depths of affliction, we experience God's favor and promise. God ever is and ever will be the happiness of His people who trust Him. And that those who trust in God do not trust in vain. But notice with me first, it's by God's grace that things are not worse. 
See, this New Year's Eve, maybe boys and girls, you'd be interested in this. Instead of staying up late and counting down the minutes until the new year, go home and read the book of Lamentations. You all look eager. Well, if you did that, you would be confronted with the deep despair that the prophet Jeremiah is facing. As I mentioned, Lamentations comes from that word lament, to sorrow. And here Jeremiah is penning his sorrows. And it's a deep despair. A despair so deep, he says, it threatens to overwhelm him. Now in our pew Bibles, it's not by mistake that Lamentations comes after the book of Jeremiah. That's intentional. Because all of the evidence in this book suggests that Jeremiah is writing this during the Babylonian exile. That's key for you to understand this evening. Everything suggests that Jeremiah is writing during the Babylonian exile. Where we read in 2 Kings 24 that King Nebuchadnezzar came with all of his might and marched against Judah in Jerusalem and conquered the nation. Now lest we not understand what that means, when a nation was conquered, everything of value was taken from them, from Israel to Babylon, Judah to Babylon. All of the smart people, the successful people in Judah were taken to Babylon. Think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what was left behind was a poor, decimated nation. And in the ancient Near East, when a nation was conquered, what they would often do is they would leave that conquered king there. In this case, it was King Jehoiakim. But king, the King Jehoiakim had to make an oath and swear to Nebuchadnezzar that he would rule in his stay as what we call a vassal. And so they still had a quasi-king. But Nebuchadnezzar ruled over them. But what we read in 2 Kings 24 and 2 Kings 25 is that King Jehoiakim, after a few years, rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar came a second time and wiped out Judah. And he set up a new king. In 2 Kings 25, we read that he set up King Zedekiah. And then after nine years, King Zedekiah rebels against Nebuchadnezzar. And so then for the third time, Nebuchadnezzar comes and wipes out Judah. See, as Jeremiah is writing this lamentation, it's not just that things are not good. It's not just that things are somewhat bad. This is the worst of the worst of the worst. And this is the context of his sorrow. You can just peruse this with me in chapter 3. You see the strong language here. Verse 1, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. Verse 5 and 6, what does Jeremiah, he speaks of himself as a city. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. Verse 17, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. See, this is a people who have lost their inheritance. They no longer had a land, no longer had a Jewish king, and all of what they thought they had now belonged to someone else. So the book begins 
with his lamentation. The book ends with him lamenting. But in the middle, suddenly, there's hope. Verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now where does this hope come from? If Jeremiah looked to his life situations, would he have cause for hope? No. What about his political leaders whom he told, don't rebel against Babylon. Don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. It's actually God's judgment for you. Was there hope in Jehoiakim and Zedekiah? No. Was there hope for Jeremiah in his countrymen? Of course not. John Calvin says this was the state of Jeremiah's heart. Even being oppressed with evils, he was almost lost and also nearly persuaded that no hope of good any more remained. But this is the first lesson for you as you go into 2024 that hope does not reside in earthly prosperity or success. Hope is not bound to earthly prosperity or success. Jeremiah's hope is from the Lord. Notice the words of this prophet, the prophet, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The world gave him no reason for hope. But when he directs his thoughts to God, when he directs his attention and meditation to Yahweh and his covenant promises, that was the consolation he needed. And you see, what Jeremiah realizes when he thinks of God is he is reminded that God is always for His people. God is always for His people. Therefore I have hope. The steadfast of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. The prophet's consolation even in lament, is that God is always for His people. And He is never against them. Even this, Old Year's Eve congregation, can we not give thanks to God for His mercy? Even if we had a hard year. Even if we feel like lamenting when we think of 2023. He has again been merciful to you and to me. See, consider this this evening. Though we are sinners before an Almighty God, before salvation in Christ, we were offensive in His his sight, described as God-haters. But look at what the prophet rejoices in. The steadfast love of the Lord. We're not owed any good thing, yet we receive good things. Not only do we receive good things, we receive wonderful things in Christ. We are made partakers of Jesus' obedience and partakers of His eternal life. I don't know about some of you older folks, but here this evening, I keep reverting back to the way the King James Version wrote this. Where instead of saying His mercies never come to an end, it says in verse 22 that we are not consumed. And that's a beautiful way to talk about the church. That the church, if we are established in Christ, can never be moved. 
It can never be destroyed. It can never be consumed. Even in times of war, pandemic, trial, persecution, famine, whatever it may be, we are like Moses' burning bush on fire, but not consumed. So the Apostle Paul wrote, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Beloved, we can rejoice this evening that God has promised to preserve and protect His church. There's a second beautiful truth here. Notice the fountain of the stream. His mercies never come to an end. See, if you were to follow the stream of mercy to its source, you would find that its source is God. And notice, beloved, mercy is in the plural. He has many mercies to give. He is an inexhaustible fountain of mercy. And if friends, if it wasn't for God's mercies, we would have been consumed long ago. Yet we are able to say that we are not consumed out of the grave, out of sin, out of death, out of hell, because we are not dealt with according to sin, but according to His mercy. See, even when things are bad, it is by God's grace. The things are not worse. He is always for us in Christ. And notice, the prophet says he's in the depths of affliction. This is probably the worst he's ever felt. And yet, he says, I know God's favor and I know His promise. That's our second point. Even in the depths of affliction, we experience God's divine favor and promise. See, the prophet Jeremiah grounds this grace in the unfailing compassion of God. Verse 22, His mercies never come to an end. His compassions fail not. You see, in the book of Lamentations, God's people were complaining that God had not pitied them. When they looked at their situation there in the city or in Judah, they thought, well, God must be indifferent to us or even cruel to His people. If you look at chapter 2, verse 17, just flip one page, This is what the people were saying. The Lord has done what He has purposed. He has carried out His Word which He commanded long ago. He is thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Or chapter 2, verse 21, they go on. They say, in the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and young men have fallen by the sword. And look at what they say. You, that is God, have killed them. The day of your anger. Slaughtering without pity. See, they looked at the devastation. They pointed their fingers at God. You hate us, God. You said you loved me. But look at the mess. Look at my life. Where are you? but His compassions fail not. The prophet says you cannot dam up the mercy of God. He never fails in the purposes of His grace. 
Remember that it, the nation of Israel and Judah were exiled for their sins, but the prophet still says his mercies never come to an end. That even when God is angry with Israel, that even when He is displeased with the sin of this world, even if He were to visit our nation in judgment, look at what the prophet is saying. The rivers of His mercy will constantly be full and will never cease to run. What a hope that is for those who struggle with a habitual sin that constantly nags us. What a, what a comfort it is when God's law is read to us and we know about His anger with sin and we struggle to change. What a comfort that even though we still sin and we run from God out of fear of His holiness and in dread of His judgment and rebuke, but His mercies don't run out. They are new every morning. Every day, we have fresh instances of His compassion towards you and to me. See, the book of Job says every morning God comes to every single man and He tests them and He visits them. Job verse, chapter 7, verse 18, God visits and tests every man. But for those in Christ, there is mercy for every sin and there is grace for every failure. Here's what the prophet Jeremiah is saying. When every other comfort fails, God's compassion does not. Although we have sinned and fallen short of the standard of God's holiness, we ought not to despair. God through the Lord Jesus Christ has provided us mercy. Not mercy merely once, but mercies that never end. Mercies that are fresh every morning. Mercies that never fail always continuous, fresh, and free. And so the prophet sings, great is your faithfulness. When someone says that another person is faithful, what they mean by that is that the person is trustworthy. Our God is trustworthy. And when He makes a promise, you can trust Him. You can take it to the bank, so to speak. He will be faithful to fulfill it. And what promise does the prophet Jeremiah have in mind? Well, I think in a sense, all of them, for all the promises of God are yea and amen, but of particular importance is the promise of salvation from which all of the other promises of God find their source. The promise of Genesis 3.15 that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and, she, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is the first preaching of the Gospel. The promise of Jesus. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful to save those who come to Him by faith in Christ. Faithful to work all things together for the good of the church. Faithful to fulfill every promise of His Word. Faithful to raise the dead. Faithful to receive us into everlasting life. Not by any merit of our own, but by mercy in Him. Great is thy faithfulness. But does this mean then 
that everything is going to be happy, clappy, and hunky-dory? No. See, it's important to note here that the book does not begin in hope, but nor does it end in hope. The hope is sandwiched in the middle. See, hope is present in Jeremiah. Hope is present in the people of God. But He is still going to call His people to walk through this suffering. To call them to walk through the consequences of their sin. Even Jeremiah the prophet endured many trials. Church history tells us that he was even martyred for his message. Stoned by the Jewish people in Egypt. See, the hope of this message is not that God removes trials from believers, but in the trials of life, He doesn't revoke His favor or remove His promise. That for us, even today, should we be facing trials and challenges in this past year or trials and challenges in the year to come, we can be assured that God's promise and favor rest upon all of those who come to Him in Christ. And so God, the prophet Jeremiah says as he considers God's faithfulness, He ever will be and is His happiness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. To have a portion means to have an inheritance or to have a share in something. Now, an inheritance was an important thing in the Hebrew society. You remember in the division of the land in the book of Joshua that each family was given a portion of the land and it was stipulated by God that that land remain in the family all of their days. See, the property of inheritance could only be given to a son of legal marriage. If not to a son than to the eldest daughter, Numbers 27 tells us. And then that eldest daughter could only receive that land on the condition they would marry within the tribe. That's what Numbers 36 tells us. And if that woman was left without children, the nearest of kin on her husband's side had the right of marrying her. That's what the book of Ruth is about. And if no one married her, the inheritance went to the next of kin. That's Numbers 27. Why do I tell you that? Because the law had many stipulations about the inheritance. This is why. It was to be protected. The inheritance needed to be protected. Because through it, God would provide for every family and every tribe. See, the inheritance wasn't just a couple acres in Caledonia, Michigan. The inheritance was to be God's comfort to each family. That was to be their happiness That was their earthly blessing in this life. But it's so important that you realize, as Jeremiah says, that the Lord is His portion. That the context of this book is the Babylonian captivity. The inheritance of old is decimated. Every piece of land belongs to Nebuchadnezzar now. 
Land is gone. Family dispersed. King is dead. Inheritance is gone. And so when Jeremiah belts out, the Lord is my portion. It's as if he has said, when I have lost everything in the world, I've lost my liberty. I've lost my livelihood. I may have even lost life itself. But I have not lost what's most important. My inheritance. He's not talking about an earthly portion. He's not talking about his retirement. He's talking about his God. How everything had been taken from him. Even his own life will be taken from him. But this world can never take Yahweh from Jeremiah. And even if all hell came to Jeremiah, if even Satan and his legion of demons came to attack Jeremiah, he could not take the salvation that was planted in his heart. And so when Jeremiah considers this, he says, therefore I have hope. Hope in what? You know, if you turn with me this evening, I'd like to show you one thing from the book of Hebrews. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we see where Jeremiah put his hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews talks about the prophets beginning in verse 36 of Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 32, excuse me. The prophet says, he, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, verse 32, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel. And listen to this, and of the prophets. Jump down to verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned like Jeremiah was. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. But the writer of Hebrews says that they clung in faith. In hope. For that's what faith is. It's the hope of things not seen. They clung in hope to the Lord Jesus. They clung to the fact that God had promised that He would destroy all evil. That He promised that He would vindicate the righteous. They clung to the fact that He would fix this world, that He would raise the dead, that He would open His kingdom and He would receive the church and He would welcome them into His presence. God does all of this in Jesus. See, Jeremiah says, even in the brokenness of this world, there is a triumph of faith. God has never failed him in the past. God has promised to remain faithful in the future. And he will receive his inheritance in Christ. In Christ, no matter the losses he receives in this world, he can say, if I have him, I have enough. I will stay myself upon him. I will encourage myself in him. When other supports and encouragements fail me, he does not. And so it is true with you and I, beloved, this evening. Though friend, and this world forsake you, 
Should you have Jesus, He is enough. They can take your home. They can take all your money. They can take your family even. We learn in the prophet Jeremiah, he, they can even take your head. But they can never take your Christ. They can never take your inheritance. It is sure. And finally, I don't want to belabor this point. But all those who trust in God do not trust in vain. This is a book that is full of sadness. The prophet Jeremiah's heart is totally broken. But notice in verses 25 uh, through 26, 27, excuse me, there's a little section of goodness. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It is good, good, good to trust the Lord. And before we conclude this evening, I want you to notice two things about trusting the Lord here. See, trust, according to the prophet, is an action. Look at the second half of verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. We need to seek the Lord in 2024. And how do we do that? I want to show you three things about seeking the Lord. How do you seek the Lord? First, you need to seek Him in faith. But you cannot come to God through any other means than faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look expectantly to the fulfillment of the promises of redemption, salvation, and His return. And secondly, let us seek Him in prayer. We need to be a people who daily confess our need and love for Him and relish in the God who is our portion. And then third, we must seek in order to find. Seek in faith. Seek in prayer. And seek Him in order to find Him. This is what it means to set one's heart upon God, to focus our affections upon Him. And God promises that all who seek Him find Him. But then second, faith is an action, but faith is a looking forward. I exhort you as we conclude this year to be looking forward. If you are a true Christian, remember that even in the darkness of this world, good things are still yet to come. Dear Christian, your redemption draweth nigh. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. And in a little time, the One whom we love shall appear. And He will come. And He will not tarry any longer. You see, at times this year has felt so long. There may have been times where trouble has met you at every corner. But more than ever, May it make us long for Christ's return. And let us learn to wait patiently for the Lord to return and deliver. The Lord promises that all who look to Him in faith, He will receive into heaven forever to those who love and to those who long for His appearing. Congregation, as we have spent some time this evening in God's Word, let us remember that God has always been faithful to us. To walk by faith and not by sight. In Christ, God's grace, things are not worse. We have the salvation of Jesus. Even in our trials, we know we walk with His favor and promise. He is our happiness. He is our portion. No matter where we go in this life, 
And he has promised that he will receive us into heaven as surely as we look to him in faith. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are faithful God and that you have promised that even in the trials of this world, in a sin-darkened and miserable world, that you will restore your people here in Caledonia, Michigan to a good hope. And we pray, Lord, and we look forward to that day when Jesus shall return on the clouds of heaven and we shall be caught up to meet Him in the air. We pray that it would be even this evening, and if not yet in 2023 and 2024, that, Father, You would receive us. Thank You for Your many blessings to us. And we pray that You would continue to bless us as we look to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.